Hey everybody, welcome back to Stories Are My Way Home podcast, and the final part of American Dogwood. The killer, Roseblood, and Detective Amory will come together in an Act 3 I hope you'll find satisfying. I want to mention again that there are scenes of violence and swearing, more so than usual, but next episode we'll be back with a one-part horror story, a young Dracula searching for a mysterious promise and a man hunting him with stake in hand. I hope you'll tune in. Now let's get to the show. Amory stood in the sweltering afternoon heat outside the county sheriff's department. A fake wood podium was stationed a few feet in front of him, and a crowd of journalists lay behind that. Canon cameras and new iPhones raised out in eager expectation. Everybody wanted news on the autopsy. Clues of how the dead girl was floating, unobstructed by anything science could explain. Everyone wanted a scrap of an answer. The detective moved to the podium, careful not to trip on the cords. He had sadly done this too many times over the years. Even though his tenure had been relatively short, there were kids who went missing all the time. Usually, it was a depressed teenager who grabbed mom's pill bottle of Vicodin and ran away. Ran away from bullies, hateful internet comments, and life. But this was something different. This was a monster hiding in the tall grass. A predator. He grabbed the mic in front of him and began to speak. At 2.07 p.m. yesterday, we found a body off the old highway. It was identified as 19-year-old Ashlyn Taylor, and... He stopped, for he felt his phone buzzing angrily inside his suit coat. Incessant buzzing that felt more like stings. An intuition ran cold within him. He knew this was something. I'm sorry, one second. He said as he reached into his pocket and pulled out his phone. The chief came over to cover him. Amory saw it was the medical examiner calling about a dozen times right after the other. He hit answer right away. Corinne, what's going on? A breathless voice answered. Detective? Yes, tell me what's happening. Sir, I ran the DNA on the bird's nest hair you sent in. No match for the dead girl. So I checked it against our previous kidnapping and missing persons and... Who, who is it? Sir? It's... It's your daughter's. Amory ran from the podium while camera flashes smote the area and reporters yelled. The chief yelled too. All the chaos didn't matter. He needed to get back to that hunting cabin right now. Sirens screamed down dead American roads. Amory raced. He blitzed past the fading town, past suburbs, killing fields of the spirit. But that was the nature of things now. The internet was growing, widening its fold, while everything else in America turned to rust. His Dodge Charger growled like an old lion, and the trees and parks flew by in a pounding blur. The police radio was alive with a thousand chatters, but to Amory, it just sounded like cicadas in the tall grass. Noise to everything, noise to everything else. His daughter was alive. She was there. He knew it. He knew it. Her hair made that songbird's nest a home for beauty. She was a gentle soul with a gentle smile, and that man took her. And Amory felt a new nausea rise up from his stomach. He had raised her.
a surrogate father. He would personally gut this killer for what he did. To hell with justice. Amory yelled as he slammed the gas pedal to the floor. The country road winded menacingly into the backwoods. He could feel his fear coming alive, a new monster to gnash its teeth alongside the physical one who had kidnapped his daughter. The smell of something burning wafted into the car's AC, sweet and dark, like a brush pile up in flames. Then he saw it off in the distance, a curling blossom of smoke rising above the trees. He mashed the gas pedal multiple times. Come on, come on, come on. Soon he was close. He pulled off the old highway, kicking up back dust, and slammed on his brakes. He tore through the tall grass, his loaded shotgun in hand. Almost out of breath, he broke into the clearing. Bloody deja vu washed over him. Federal agents were standing around a tree, with another hanging girl under it. Her blonde hair draped like a sheet over her naked body. Her corpse floated, possessed in the same demon dance as the last girl. Amory clenched his jaw in desperate anxiety. He bit the inside of his cheek and didn't even feel the blood as it leaked out. The other investigators looked up as he sprinted past. Hey, detective! Detective! Got another one through here, was all Amory had time to say as he ripped back into the tree line on the opposite side of the field. He didn't turn around to see if any followed. This place was about to be lit up with the full might of the FBI in about one hour. But by the burning smell, the singeing in his nostrils, the whole forest would be lit up by scouring flames in two. The oak rot and bramble, perfect tinder for a summer blaze. The nearer he got to that old hunting cabin, the more distinct was the flavor of his fear. He tasted it. He smelled it. He felt it in the rattle of the barrel in his shaking hands. His daughter was yards away. She had drunk the water in those 55-gallon drums. But she would not end up like Ashlyn Taylor or the other girl. No, he would save her this time. The cabin came into view behind the grouping of lank pines, and his heart beat ferociously. He quickly wiped the sweat from running into his eyes and laid down the shotgun man level, ready to blow a killer choking back to a pine needle heaven. He prepared to kick in the rotting door, but found it already opened. A bloody handprint slapped on its peeling face. No, he moaned. He stepped in, checking all sides, gun at the ready. But he knew where she was, in the room with that sad deer the mounted head with the patchy fur, and the nest of hair. Brooklyn! 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 He couldn't help himself and yelled. The syllables felt strange in his mouth. The word hadn't been uttered in almost a decade, for the killer had spent more time with her than he ever would. Dead silence. Amory shivered in heavy metal fear, as he rounded on the deer room. The image that graced him was one of more death. He saw a trap door opened, and the bare legs of a teenage girl splayed out on the ground below, a trail of blood from the stairs, and a gory pool at the bottom. Shit, 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 Brooklyn, Brooklyn! He raced down the stairs and came to a grotesque sight. 
The girl laid there, propped up against the wall. Her shirt pulled up to show a fresh cesarean surgery, all but steaming in blood. But the room around him was equally grotesque. It was a teenage girl's room, replete with bookshelves, an electric piano, band posters, and stuffed animals. The hair on the back of his neck stood up as he witnessed the state of his daughter's life, hidden away while that bastard whispered his black magic. He knelt down and examined the girl. Although her eyes were closed, her face was contorted. She had died in pain. But the girl looked older than what his daughter would be. She had to be over twenty. He didn't recognize her. Next to her left leg was an iPhone in a pink case. Bloody fingerprints covered almost every inch. Amory reached down, his breath stripped, coming only in short razor-cut peels. He took the phone and made out through the shattered windshield screen a message from an unknown number. Do it. Amory stared at the black pixels, his eyes becoming blurry. The smell of the smoke was getting stronger, but he didn't even acknowledge it. He set the phone down when he noticed a tattoo of an American dogwood flower on the girl's neck, hanging down behind her ear. He reached to move her hair when the phone began to ring. Not his, but the one in the pink case. Someone was calling. He fumbled for the phone and picked it up. Hello, detective. An unremarkable voice said, Who are you? Where's my daughter? Leaving this world. You son of a bitch! Where the fuck is she? Amory screamed into the phone, the desperation like sandpaper to his voice. Where everyone will see. The park where I took her from her dead path. Her track of lifelessness. Her false father. You're insane, and I'm going to stop you. The next stage of human evolution will not go peacefully. Some of you will need to be dragged kicking and screaming into another dimension. You think you can get away with this? Burning the forest down will cover up anything here. Amory growled into the phone. Smoke was beginning to waft in around him. There was a long pause on the other end. The detective thought that the killer hung up. But then he spoke again, albeit in a slightly affected tone. No consequence. It's, it's, it's of no consequence. Hey, I'm coming for you. Amory cocked his shotgun. You will burn twice over in hell. Hell doesn't exist. The killer whispered as he hung up. Amory ran up the stairs, careful not to slip in blood, while he coughed and coughed. Roseblood ran like a deer through the trees, her red-soaked dress catching on thorn and burr, the old Virginia deadwood up in flames behind her. She threw the blue Bic lighter from her sweaty hand and ran. Everything was happening now. The promised end was here. Amory's phone was ringing off the hook as he flew down the back roads. He blazed his way to the park, Choppers were flying overhead. Fire truck sirens wailed. All was chaos. All units, please respond. All units, please respond. We've got a situation at Skylar Park. There's multiple. There's multiple. The dispatch was a haze in his red mind. 
In fact, everything now was blurring into one bloodshot viewpoint. A fury of 108-degree proportions. He was going to save his daughter from this deranged psychopath, save any other girls who drank his cherry Kool-Aid, and put this guy in the ground, rub rock salt into his wounds. The pain he had caused families was uncountable. Sadness, more numerous than the stars. If anybody deserved death as justice, it was him. Once into town, Amory saw the roads blocked, choked up with empty police cars and throngs of people running towards the park. In fact, people were everywhere, like it was a parade or Fourth of July celebration. Except screams rent the air as people looked down at their phones. Women were crying with their hands over their mouths. What was happening? What were they watching? Amory jumped the curb, his sirens joining the other abandoned squad cars. He checked his holster and grabbed his shotgun, then ran. Ran to some madness-soaked doom. Soaked in the humid heat death of American peace. His side was in stitches, and he jostled between the yelling civilians. Let me through! Let me through! He hollered at the top of his already strained lungs. People moved out of the way, but the crowd got denser as he got closer. Then he heard the telltale cracks of gunshots ring out about a hundred yards in front of him. People began to scatter, but still they were too thick for him to see what was going on. Please, my daughter's there, please, he pleaded, but his cries were drowned out in the cacophony of the crowd. More gunshots split the air, and finally Amory broke through. What he saw made a heart attack that was surely 20 years away, come 10 years sooner. The green park grass was littered with bodies, police and a few civilians, while a group of about 30 teenage girls floated in the air. A mass levitation. Some were ragdoll dead, but others were moving, squirming like bait on a hook. Screams of disbelief sounded, and Amory saw officers shooting at people. Four grounded girls on the edge of the park held rifles and sprayed AR fire on the officers. They ran behind swing sets and laid prone under merry-go-rounds. They were guarding some kind of ascendance. Amory could not believe what he was seeing. He couldn't. He was insane. No, no. This was insanity itself going insane. But his adrenaline surged, kicking off the unhelpful chemicals from his neuroreceptors. Then he saw it. At the back of the park, a solitary man was standing with arms outstretched. He wore a white polo shirt and blue jeans, aviator sunglasses glinting in the sun. Amory traced the curb around the park while the officers engaged in gunfire with the guardian girls. He got low and almost crawled on the grass. He looked up and saw the dead ones wriggling, haloed by blue sky and fluffy white clouds. The dirty soles of their bare feet dangled forty feet above him. All was steel in his mind, cold mountain ore. There were no thoughts of this or thoughts of that, just a rock-steady push to end this abomination of humanity, of nature. He crawled like an animal, while the killer brought his hands together as if in prayer, then thrust him apart like a zealous orchestra conductor high on music. 
the girls kept rising higher, floating away from all the hurt and sadness of the world. He was moving them. One of the girls with the rifle got hit in the neck and went down behind a maple tree. The others screamed and returned fire. No one saw Amory slithering in the grass. No one except the killer. For he turned his face and stared right at Amory. A frown formed under the sunglasses, and one of his arms fell. Amory felt them before he saw them. A few bodies hit the dirt around him, kicking chunks of park grass in his face. One fell on the back of his legs, and he yelled out in pain. Then the killer pointed straight at him and whistled. Two of the surviving girls turned their attention from the thinned-out local cops and began firing on Amory's position. He quickly grabbed one of the fallen and used her body as a shield as AR rounds sprayed red. This was a torture to Amory, and he knew when this was over, he would never be able to go to bed again without crying himself to sleep. All this life was nothing to the killer, this demon. These girls seemingly worshipped him and died for it. Was his daughter among the rising? Would he, would he even recognize her body? He yelled out the only thing he could think of at that moment. What do you want? All at once the bullet stopped and Amory raised his head over the shoulder blade of the girl. He noticed another tattoo of an American dogwood blossom, dripping with blood below it. The man lowered his face, as if stealing himself for something. I told you, detective, to bring the first chosen to the higher dimensions. Amory shakily got to his knees, his shotgun primed. The girls returned fire on the SWAT teams and FBI that were coagulating at the other end of the park. Dimension? The word was strange in Amory's mouth. He had to scream, for he was losing his voice. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, children jumping into the ragged tent of time. I gave them subatomic wings. I gave them spirit eyes to see the secrets of the universe. We are the next great movement, detective. We are the exodus from evil the base-born four dimensions. We are evolution. And evolution is messy. Your lost daughter was found in that knowledge. Amory couldn't help himself. If you touched her, I'll kill you! With what? Your gun is as impotent as your world. You cannot kill me. I am outside of time. Twenty feet away now, the detective got to his aching knees and lowered the shotgun. He pulled the trigger, but nothing came out. Jammed. Amory roared and rushed the killer. The light of a faraway sun glinted in his aviators. He felt a bullet rip through his lower back. He knew more were likely on their way, but he didn't care. He would personally cave this man's head in end his psychedelic delusions with the cessation of brain activity. Then, Amory could die. Another bullet hit his spine, and he dropped a few yards in front of the killer. But he got up quickly before his body and adrenaline finally betrayed him. 
The killer staggered back, still keeping his arms raised as Amory made his way to him. But something, his nervous or musculoskeletal system failed, and he fell to his knees three feet in front of the conductor. Amory looked up at the killer, who studied him as one does a bird, or a tiny mammal, or a reptile, something other than human. The detective rose, the sky filled with levitation. How are you doing this? Everything is a lie when nothing's the truth. The killer said and dropped his hands. No bodies rained down. The girls just kept floating higher. But I can tell you, I can tell you they are filled with transcendence, filled with the ecstasy of faith. Faith in you? You mistake me, detective. I'm not some cult leader. I'm just the first awakened. Sounds like a death cult to me. Where's my fucking daughter? Rogue. She should have been here by my side. The killer took off his sunglasses so Amory could see his eyes. They were occluded. Pale blots in the pupils. He was blind. Amory reached for the gun at his holster and pulled it, pointing it at the man's skull. It doesn't matter. It's all done now. I've sent some on. Others will follow. The killer walked to the barrel. It pressed into his forehead. The detective felt a rage hotter than the surface of the sun. He had had enough. He curled his lips in disgust as he put his finger on the trigger. Stop! A voice behind them yelled. A teenage girl stumbled out of the madness around them. A girl with long brown hair and skin smudged with ash and road dust. Her white dress was dyed in blood. Her legs were cut up with thorns and red trails spiraled down them. Her feet were dark with dirt. But Amory knew. He knew to the scalpel precision of all human feeling of love's tenacious glance, that this was his daughter. She was alive. Brooklyn? She came closer, one hand reaching into the folds of her dress. Put the gun down now. Put it down, or I'll kill you. Brooklyn! Amory's fingers itched on the trigger. The killer closed his eyes, waiting for the hot metal to spin into his brain. High-impact muzzle velocity. Put it down, now! She pulled out a crumpled flower, the white blossom of their state flower, and a long bowie knife, threatening in its glint. In any other circumstance, Amory would have apprehended the suspect and cleared the area, but that flower was an unknown to him. He didn't know if they housed some psychotropics, or chemicals, or holy holy mantra of death, so he just stared at his daughter, relieved to see her once more in this life. Detective! A group of feds came up behind him. They had their rifles trained on Brooklyn. Their red dots born of high-powered scopes marked her all down her body and the face of the killer. No, 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 please, please, don't come any closer. I got this. She's my daughter, please. Amory was in hysterics, but still Brooklyn shambled closer, knife in one hand, flower in the other. We're taking the shot. Stand clear, detective. No, please, please, please. He begged. 
You have three seconds to get the fuck out of the way. The agents were hopped up on the dust of tragedy, of worn, thin adrenaline. Amory knew there wasn't another force in heaven or earth that would stop their bullets now. Unless he did. Amory turned and pointed his gun at himself. I'll blow my brains out if you come any closer. I'll do it, I swear. The agents came closer, guns raised. But before Amory could think what to do, the next thing happened so fast. Amory turned to watch it unfold and die a second time. His daughter would be extinguished. His little girl with the bright face and smile that could melt all the evil of the world would be taken from him again. But she moved up behind the killer and stabbed him in the lower neck. She stuffed the flower into his wound as he whispered something only to her. Bullets from the agents ripped past. They hit the killer in multiple waves. Amory felt one scream through his abdomen. When the shooting ended, he saw Brooklyn holding the blind man and sobbing. The killer smiled faintly and caressed her blood-smeared face. My little drop of rose blood. My little librarian. Poetic justice, then. There's no other kind, she said in a low, sad moan. The man closed his eyes and began to slowly float upwards, out of her arms while Brooklyn swayed at the edges of consciousness. Amory didn't care about anything in that moment. He ran to her with what strength he had left in his body. He reached her just as she saw him. Dad? She said in a scared voice as she fell into his arms and closed her eyes. The body of the killer floated up and away on the hot Virginia wind. Amazing grace How sweet the sound That saved a wretch Like me That concludes American Dogwood. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Got some more kid-friendly stories coming down the pipeline, as well as some scary stories. So definitely stay tuned. All right. I'll see you guys next time. Believe